When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Daniel, you've hit two of the last three with the Ravens pick. How confident are you feeling about this one? Not not confident at all. <laughs> uh, not, not at all. The Ravens uh, are the Ravens because usually they're going to take the best player available and, uh, and they're not going to pass up on somebody they have really highly rated. So... Um, I, I would say, do we need to do we need to make this decision right now? What they're going to do? Or do we oh, I, 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 if you're ready to make your final projection, I, I'm all ears. Um, the Baltimore Ravens with the 14th pick of the 2022 NFL Draft select. Oh! Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We are only what two weeks away? Yeah, from the NFL Draft. It is getting time to make some final picks. You stop writing in pencil, start warming up the pen. You start warming it up. Longtime listeners of the lounge will know that even if it's in pen on your mock draft, it doesn't oh, matter. It doesn't that's matter. That's why that's why they invented whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> you got you know, as we get as again, as longtime listeners know, we always do our full seven round mock draft. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year. That'll be on the horizon. Um, and it's always fun to debate that. The tricky thing is, you know, you do one seven round mock for the uh, for the website, and then you follow up with a completely different one for the uh, for the podcast. So this year, I'm gonna you have to promise, you have to guarantee that you're, at least you got, you're gonna stick with one. You can't have different ones. You got to uh, stick to one. There will be one that for the website and the pod. I promise this year. All right, all right. We got I that. Promise. We got that on the record. So, um, I'll, you know what? I'll tell you right now. It's one of two guys. Wow. I'm gonna put two guys. Okay. I think it's gonna be Jordan Davis, or I think it, okay, not two guys, three guys, <laughs> or it's a or it's a or it's a corner. Or it's McDuffie or Stingley. If Stingley gets there, it's Stingley. If not, I think they pick McDuffie at 14. Or it's Jordan Davis. Those, I'm, I'm just saying it right now. All right. All right. He's on the record. So, now, so I, that's, I haven't settled on yeah. my final, final pick, but it's going to be one of those three guys. All right. Well, that's an improvement for you. You're actually making some, you know, <laughs> rather than just throwing out all the different coulds, limiting it to three, two weeks out, yeah. that's pretty good for you. I'll give you credit. Yeah. I'm going to actually get some sleep this year. I, I usually have a lot of sleepless nights putting together my seven round mock. I like spend way too much time thinking about that thing this year. I've, I've actually controlled myself. Okay. <laughs> it's a new year. Yeah. New year. I remember like rocking my children to sleep and like thinking my brain is just going through my seven round mock. And I'm like, <laughs> this is really troubling. <laughs> you're, you're waking up in the middle of the night, jotting down names, keeping a journal on I, the bedside. Oh, I see. I seriously <laughs> dream about it. I do seriously dream about my seven round mock. It's sad, sad state of affairs. Anyway, uh, we have a great guest today from the NFL network. We have Daniel Jeremiah, former Raven scout, Still good friends with a lot of people in the building. Uh, he knows the Ravens, and and he knows the draft. So a great guest. Let's just jump right into that interview. Well, we have the pleasure of being joined by Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. And Daniel, you've hit two of the last three with the Ravens pick. 
so how confident you have George Karlaftis, Karlaftis in your in your most recent mock? How confident are you feeling about this one? Not not confident at all. Uh, <laughs> not not at all. Yeah, so there there's so many different areas and so many different places they could go. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to take my shot. You know, look, you got you you don't uh, hit a home run without swinging. So I'm gonna I'm gonna swing. But I would say my batting average. Is, possibility is, is looking in more the one to one fifty range uh, here for this one. Wow. We're not even hitting the Mendoza line today. No, no, no. And maybe that's just me as a cynical Padre fan. We can't score any runs. So that's fresh <laughs> in my brain. But <laughs> so, so, I, I do so, have a question about uh George though. Uh you know, I, I look at him and I I, I kind of see where you're going with that pick, right? I mean rugged player, high effort, you know, high motor all that stuff, like physical, you know, so that checks a lot of boxes for a Ravens pick. I guess my question is, like, is he a possible, like, defensive end in the Ravens system, like a slightly smaller Derek Wolf who's coming off a hip surgery, or, or do you only see him as an edge guy? Because he's not like the Odafe Owe edge type, obviously, yeah. with the, the pure athleticism, but kind of how do you see how do you see him fitting in the Ravens system? Yeah, I think I think it's kind of a you know a choice. You know, he's one of those guys. I think wherever he goes, if you want him to bulk up, he can bulk up and play a little bit heavier. Um, mm-hmm. If you wanted him to drop weight and and stand him up, I think he could do that as well. But you hit on the word. That's such a great word. Is he's he's a rugged football player, and I think of the you know kind of the long history of guys that the Ravens have lined up on the edge, and you know outside of maybe Peter Bulware, I would say all those guys have all, you know they're real rugged kind of rough uh, players out there. Suggs was that way. You think about mm-hmm. Darius Smith and, and how he played, you, you know, you can go on and on and on and on all the way through. And even Owe, Owe, you know, ran the 4-3 and everybody, you know, carried away with that. He is a physical edge setter. It's a rugged player who just also happens to be a freak show uh, athlete. <laughs> so, you know, right. Matt Judon was a rugged, is a rugged player. Um, so that to me is why I think Karloftis, you could, you could make an argument with him uh, being a fit there. Nice. Another guy on the edge uh, who some people have mocked to the Ravens is Jermaine Johnson. In, in your latest one, you have him going high. I mean, you have him going seventh yeah. to the Giants. Do you think that he could get to the Ravens, or, or is he a top 10 pick and, and he's going to be gone before they have a chance to pick? I think he'll be a top 10 pick, but there's always the, uh, you know, there's always that one case. And to me, the, that would be if the quarterback shock us and go. If we have a couple quarterbacks that sneak into the top ten, um, that changes the math, and that can that can cause one of those guys to drop a little bit. And I would say, look, the Ravens. You know, I know Eric's gone on record to say they want all those fourth rounders to come in and play, but um, man, they've got a lot of ammunition. If they feel like somebody gets you know within range, they could easily go up a few spots. You know, and I, I kind of I keep an eye on a guy like Sauce Gardner is a you know kind of a big corner who would be a great fit there. If somehow he were to get to, you know, nine or ten, um, you know, you, you'd have an opportunity. It wouldn't cost you too terribly much. You'd have to look at the chart. Uh, but I could see that being a move. You can go up and get him. You know, you're, you're speaking, speaking my language. Yeah. You know, this is, I just got done writing about that exact thing. No, there <laughs> Sauce you go. or Stingley. There you go. Yeah, no, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out. And, uh, you know, you, you'd think – the Seattle Seahawks and, and kind of in the middle of a rebuild, you look at the Jets. If the Jets go, um, you know, anything other than corner or edge rusher, you know, if they go offense, say they go receiver at four and, mm-hmm. uh, and you want to get ahead of them for them pot- potentially taking an edge rusher or corner, 
um, you know, I would think the Seahawks would be a real easy trade partner. Interesting. Interesting. Now, the, the, I, I thought it was interesting that you had you had Derek Stingley going after Trent McDuffie in your mock, uh, which is most most mocks have Stingley above McDuffie. Do you think yeah. Stingley could get to number fourteen, and then and then on McDuffie, do you think he's big enough to be a Ravens first round corner? You know, he's not the typical Jimmy Smith, you know, Chris McAllister, yeah. these bigger guys. But do you think that he still is talented enough and and overcomes the size? Uh, to still fit in the Ravens system and, and be worthy of a 14th pick. Yeah, I, I look. I, I I look at him and I think about. You remember when Samari Roll came over? Mm-hmm. Um, that's who he reminds me a lot of. He's just a really really good football player. Um, and so I, I think he's he's put better tape out there the last two years than Stingley has. Uh, you go back to Stingley in 2019, and I'm not alone in that. I think everybody kind of shares the opinion. His his 2019 tape is top five pick stuff. Like, it's elite, elite, elite. So I did my last mock draft. I had uh, McDuffie going ahead of Stingley since that. I think it was a couple weeks ago. We've seen Stingley go to his pro day and, and put on a little bit of a show there. So it looks like he's back healthy, coming off a foot injury. Um, and I would say he's kind of trending back up. And it just kind of, if your glass half full, <laughs> You're going to say, man, you got Stingley. That is the steal of the draft. We got a top three player, and, and uh, somehow we managed to get him. And if your glass half empty, you say, well, 2019 was a long time ago. And if we get the guy that we've seen on tape the last two years, we're going to be severely disappointed. So um, that, that's why he's such a tricky evaluation. Yeah, You know, I, I want to go back to when you were just talking about, you know, Jermaine Johnson and if there's a – you know, quarterbacks end up going early, and if you have someone who ends up falling, the other one who I, I want to get your perspective on is Kayvon Thibodeau. And, yeah. you know, like, if we were having this conversation six months ago, you would have laughed. We said, is he going to be there at 14? And maybe you still will. But, you know, he was he was somebody who was a, a top five, top two type pick. And then all of a sudden there's this stuff like, could he slide? Could he make it to the teens? What is your take on him, and could he kind of be also similar to, as you mentioned with Sauce Gardner, a potential trade-up option if all of a sudden he's sitting there at at 10? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's my ninth or 10th player. I think he started off as my sixth player, so he hasn't moved much on mine. Okay. Uh, but I also think there's a chance, you know, with the Detroit Lions, if, if Aiden Hutchinson goes one, I think that would be my choice for them at number two. So um, I, I think he's got a real wide range. It just it's how it falls. You know, I think if he doesn't land in Detroit, I don't know that there's the obvious uh, fit for him. Mm. Uh, so that, that would be a case where maybe he does start to drift, but man, you know, even though like the Atlanta Falcons at eight, right. They, they desperately need a wide receiver, but I'd be looking at that going, man, I don't, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd be awfully tempted to just take the edge rusher knowing I can come back and get a receiver a little bit later on in the draft. So um, I, that, it, it's, possible he gets out of the top 10 but i would say it's not likely okay you know when we talked we talked to the combine uh we talked about trevor penning a lot and and yeah. you know going back to the word rugged he certainly plays that way you know he's he's kind of a mauler out there and since then the you know the ravens have gone out and they added morgan moses at right tackle the expectation is that you know ronnie stanley's healthy and, and playing left tackle but Obviously, the Ravens saw last year how things can go if if the tackles start to get hurt, um, and how valuable it is to have depth at that spot. So, so do, what are your impressions of Penning, and and could he play guard? Because if I think the thing that you know we're all debating right now is if if Ronnie Stanley's healthy and the Ravens were to draft Penning in the first round, where do you play him? Do you put him at guard? And how would you think that would work if the Ravens took him and then ended up putting him at left guard? 
Yeah, he got some guard reps at the uh, at the Senior Bowl and did just fine. I, I I know a lot of times you say you don't want a real tall guard. This guy's big, powerful. He can play with leverage. Um, you know, you go back in the old 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 school uh, name, and you I don't know if you guys remember a guy named Kevin Gogan who played for the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> when they were you know kind of those mid '90s dominant Cowboy teams, like a six foot six just mauling guard. Um, I, I think Trevor Penning could could slide in there and hold up. You wouldn't have to play him there long term. You know, I don't think Morgan Moses is the long term solution. Um, and you got to keep, you know, look, you get Ronnie Stanley out there healthy. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. easy to say we think he's back to normal and he's 100%. He's going to be fine. But until you get him back out there, you don't know. So mm-hmm. that would be a heck of an insurance policy. And in the meantime, I absolutely think he could plug in and play guard. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's Garrett's pick. Lock and load it, Garrett. There you go. <laughs> I've been locked on that one for a while now, so you're, you're talking me back into it, DJ. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having offensive line depth. I mean, that's one exactly. thing uh, I think we could all learn, especially the way the Ravens play. Exactly. So uh, another guy that seems to fit the Ravens mold would be Jordan Davis. I mean, you've talked a number of times that the Ravens like big human beings, right? Trevor Penning's yeah. one. Jordan Davis is most definitely a large human being. <laughs> um, I mean, is do you think he's different enough from Michael Pierce to say, okay, well, he fill, fills another kind of need in the Ravens' defense? Because they had Pierce, they had Matabike, they just re-signed Clayus Campbell, which leaves me saying, all right, like, is, does the D-line need a first-round pick now? Um, it's a great point. I do think he's an unbelievable fit for them just in terms of, you know, what they, what they play with and who they like. Um, I, I just would like to see it just from the standpoint of Calais Campbell and him coming out of the tunnel together just to see what it looked like. <laughs> um, that, that's the selfish, selfish part of me there. Um, yeah, you could say, no, it's not a need for him in any stretch, but the Ravens uh, are the Ravens because usually they're going to take the best player available and, uh, and they're not going to pass up on somebody they have really highly rated. So um, I, I would say he's, if I'm if I'm kind of debating on this, is is what they're going to do? He would be one of the early favorites for me because I think there's a good chance he does get there, and if he does get there, I just know they'll have a hard time in that room passing him up. Mm-hmm. Does he remind you at all of Lodi Nada? I mean, another very large man who's a freak athlete. You know, I, I was working on that this last week, and I was just telling somebody about this, but you know, Haloti, and I was you know was there when we picked him, and I loved Haloti. Haloti. I think was gosh six uh, upper six fours maybe maybe right at mm-hmm. six five. This dude's six over six six. So my comparison <laughs> for him, and I, I I know I know that this name people they think bust when they hear this name, but trust me, there's a reason why Albert Hainsworth got a hundred million dollars because it's how he played yep. young Albert in Tennessee, and that's who Jordan Davis reminds me of. Interesting. Yeah, I've thought the same thing. And yeah, you think of like the stomping and all the bad stuff, like when you think of his name. Yeah. But man, he he's was a, he's a heck beast. of a player, man. Do you remember they yeah. used to kick him? They used to kick him out and put him like in a wide nine, and they would put Vandenbosch inside, and they would <laughs> let him just run right over the tackle. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was nasty. <laughs> so, so on the other side of things, if we're you know we're talking about the big guys. On the on the flip side, there's Tyler Linderbaum, who doesn't really fit the mold of the big guy. You know, like Jordan Davis yeah. and Trevor Penning. Okay, Ravens love big guys, but then you got Linderbaum. Okay, he's this he's this really technically sound, great center prospect. But does he fit what the Ravens do at center? I think we're all kind of trying to figure out: Is Dacosta 
telling us the truth, or was he trying to throw us off the scent by saying, we like big offensive linemen, we like big centers, we love big centers. So what is your take on Linderbaum and whether he, he could be a fit on this, this offensive line and the style that the Ravens play? Yeah, I think he can fit really um, in a couple different areas there. Um, he's going to definitely fit from a toughness standpoint and a makeup standpoint, intelligence standpoint. You, you love all those things he brings to the center. But I don't think that Eric is just totally blowing smoke there either. They've always wanted bigger linemen, and they're, they're going to be a lot of you know gap scheme runs in there, and that's not really what his best thing is. And so, you know, he gets a lot of size on top of his face. He's going to struggle a little bit. Uh, I think he can play in that system. I think he'll be a really good player. I just don't know if, if that is the perfect fit and the value for them where they're going to be picking. So. I'll take him at his word on that one and say they probably would rather have a guy like Kenyon Green, um, you know, who could I think could play really, you know, any of those three interior spots if he needed him to. He played four spots last year at Texas A&M. That's more kind of a people mover, you know, type of player that they uh, they traditionally like. Interesting. Now, I think one dark horse. Also, uh, also, by the way, I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, Ortiz is very tight with, with Jimbo Fisher, so maybe we should just give him Kenyon Green and call it a book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think if Kenyon Green were there in the second for them, or like if they traded up in no the second chance. or w- moved way back in the first, maybe if they moved like into the late 20s, like that could make sense. Because he also provides yeah, a little think, tackle I don't think insurance. he gets the two. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he gets the second round. He, he's too good of a football player. I think he'll go one somewhere. We're just gotcha, dreaming. Gotcha. Yeah, I think you were going down this this road here, Ryan, on a, a dark horse. Maybe yeah. in the first round would be Devin Lloyd at inside linebacker. Like yeah. they just took Patrick Queen at inside linebacker. Do you use two first round picks in three years at that position? What do you think? I, I think the league would say you don't, um, but I I would say the Ravens probably value off the ball linebackers based on their history more than uh, more than most teams. So I, I would not rule that out. And he is a great player. Um, he would be a perfect compliment to Patrick Queen. Let him go in there with his size and his length and, and just let him kind of run the defense. I, I, I could definitely see that. I'm also intrigued by the fact, uh, you know, I know N'Kobe Dean's not the biggest guy in the world. And I think you put him and Patrick Queen out there, you'd have kind of two undersized small linebackers. But nobody has a bigger defensive front than the Ravens. And let N'Kobe mm-hmm. Dean, who really is one of the more intelligent linebackers I've ever evaluated, uh, let him go out there and, and, and really kind of help Queen out. And man, they would be hell on wheels. But that would be, it would look, it would look different. You'd have the, those big, ginormous down linemen and then those two little linebackers run around clean everything up <laughs> well I, you know i've heard about an undersized smart inside linebacker going to the ravens kind of late in the first round it worked out all right <laughs> yeah he was okay so whatever happened to that guy <laughs> uh, daniel who so you know we're talking about offensive tackles and, and i i kind of feel like maybe they come you know because they're kind of set there it's as we talked about with the starters if the healthy you know, who are some second or third round offensive tackles that you think could fit Baltimore? And, and then kind of, I want to follow that up with the same question on pass rushers and cornerbacks. Yeah. When you, when you look at offensive tackles, you know, day two guys, you know, I think you start looking at, at uh, the dude from Tulsa and, and uh, Tyler Smith, who's, you know, he's, He's, some people think he's a guard. I, I think he can still hold up and play tackle. He is explosive. He's physical. Um, he would be an interesting one. So you got Tyler Smith from Tulsa. You got Bernard Ryman from Central Michigan. 
those guys kind of be traveling together. I think you'll see them go off in a very similar uh, area of, of the second round. So those mm-hmm. be a couple of those uh, round two guys. You want to go beyond that, then you start, you know, thinking about big Fa Lele from uh, from Minnesota. Um, if you like big guys, then get bigger than him. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. probably one of the next ones to go in there. And then Max Mitchell, probably more of a third rounder uh, from Louisiana, who can play right, can play left. Nice. And uh, and the last one for me here is. You know, every year when we do this, we we spend half the time talking wide receiver, and that's not the case this year. It's much different. Um, but is it going to? Dacosta has been taking shots at receiver. Does he just sit out receiver this year, or does he still? Is there going to be somebody in those mid rounds that he feels like, all right, I, I still got to get in on this receiver game? Yeah, I, he will. He's going to take a receiver. Come on. Even with all the investments they've made in the position, I just still think, especially when you consider the money that these guys are all making, I think, uh, you know, on the free agent market, just keeping that pipeline of young guys, just keep them, keep them flowing through. So I, I, w- I would fully expect that uh, at least one of those fourth-round picks is going to be a wide out. Hmm. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. We really appreciate it. As always, everybody can tune into the NFL Network. For all the draft coverage and follow Daniel's work, you're the best man. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you guys. Do we need to do we need to make this decision right now on what they're going to do, or are we going to wait till uh, until we get to the last final mock draft? Oh, I, would, I, I if you're ready to make your final projection, I, I'm all ears. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and just just put it out there and put it on the board. Um, the Baltimore Ravens with the 14th pick of the 2022 NFL draft select Jordan Davis. Oh, all right. All right. There the big it is. D I like lineman. it. I like it. That's a big man. That will be fun. Chance. Zero chance we get it right this year, but who knows? We'll see. You bet you're, you're, on, <laughs> you're on a hot streak. So uh, I got faith in you. Well, this, that's great. Uh, really appreciate remember it. Remember the rules. Remember the rules. If it happens, you got to run this back. Yes. If it doesn't happen, you got to bury it. Yeah. If it, if, it, <laughs> if, they, if they take penning, we're ne- this podcast never happened. It never existed. No. If they take penning, just go rack my what I said at the combine. That's can true. Do three <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you play the game like I do. Toss out twenty different yeah. picks. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Eventually, we get it right. Yeah, it's like throwing out ten brackets for the NCAA tournament. Exactly. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. Thanks to Daniel. I also want fans to know that the sports landscape is always changing, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. There are still daily fantasy contests running for those who are looking to have some skin in the game. So what you can do, each player has a salary associated with drafting them. You assemble a lineup of players while you stay under the salary cap, and then you sit back and you watch your points pile up. So now you know how to play. Get on the DraftKings app today. Download it. Use the code FLOCK. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. Again, the code is FLOCK, and you can get that DraftKings app today. So big thanks to Daniel. Again, you can watch him on the NFL Network. He does an excellent job with the draft coverage. Also, check out his podcast, the Move the Six podcast that he does with Bucky Brooks, uh, where they really dive into all these conversations around the draft. So what really stood out to you? I mean, he's talking to your language. You know, he's making the Jordan Davis pick, so uh, that's one of your yeah. three. Yeah, I, I think that Jordan Davis is a really interesting pick. And like like I said, you know, I mean, the Ravens, in bringing back Calais, that's a big move. And their other, you know, another one of their free agent signings is Michael Pierce. So you look at it and say, eh. But do you just, like, 
sometimes the player is too good. And I do think that he's, I mean, he's so much bigger than Michael Pierce. Like he's, a, I, I think he's a different player than Michael Pierce. And you hope that you can get some pass rush potential out of both of them. But like, sometimes it's so good that you just say, you know what, you know what, we're just going to have a dominant defensive line, right? Like maybe we don't have as, as great a edge rush, but good luck blocking us up the middle because we are just going to beast on you. And I, and I do think you talk about today's NFL game and, and I totally agree with the Ravens stance that you have to have a strong secondary. And that's why they went out and signed Marcus Williams. And I, and that's also why I think they could easily draft a cornerback because they have to improve at corner. They have to make additions there and you have to have a strong secondary. I mean, no team in the NFL invests more money in the secondary than the Ravens. Yeah. But I also think the Ravens play in the division that likes to run the ball, right? So if you just build like, sure, maybe you don't have the the biggest, you know, run stuffing inside linebackers, but you have queen that can run around and make plays behind a massive defensive line that just like the 2000 Ravens, like you're just running into a brick wall. You know what I mean? And, and Jordan Davis would certainly, I mean, I don't know how people would run on the Ravens at all if they were to pick him and then just let everybody else run around and make plays. I don't know. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it, it's an interesting. I think it's kind of a philosophical question too, like in terms of the changing NFL and just what kind of resources you invest on the defensive front. I think that like that's yeah. part of the calculation that the Ravens front office will have to make. But but like I said, there's the NFL, and I agree the NFL is more of a passing league. But first and foremost, you look at your division, right? And well, the, the, the North, Bengals can throw the ball pretty darn well. Well, they can certainly, but Joe Mixon is a big part of their offense and they need, they need to run the ball also to set it up for them. Um, and, and then you look at the Steelers, they're really, I mean, especially now as they're going through a quarterback change, I think they're going to lean more heavily on the run game. And you look at the Browns with Nick Chubb. So, you know, those are three offenses that, that running the ball is very important to them, uh, with, with very talented running backs. So no, it, I don't it, think it's a yeah, bad pick. No, I, I don't either. And I think that it's, it, it again. I just, I still think it. I feel, still think there's kind of that philosophical debate that that will have yeah, to be had yeah, I agree. because it's I like agree. you know, yes, the Bengals can run the ball well with Joe Mixon, but if you're well, they can also throw it. I mean, it, yeah, they have weapons all over. Exactly. The place. Like if you're thinking about the Bengals games last year, like Joe Mixon is not the first guy who comes to mind. <laughs> That's correct. Jamar Chase. You're thinking, and Joe how do we stop Jamar Chase? And then you're like. Well, you know, Derek Stingley had some pretty good tape against him in practice. You know, yeah. that wouldn't be bad. So I, I, I think, completely agree. Yeah. I, I'm not locking anything in yet, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily moving off of the offensive line pick for me, by the way. Just do it. Just but, do it. But I think if Stingley were there, I think Stingley would probably be the pick. But I don't think he's going to be there. I, I just think that yeah. he, he had too good of a pro day. He's got that great tape. He's come from LSU, DBU. I just think that he's going to be – He's going to be right. gone before the Ravens. I think like every mock draft has him going to the Vikings at 12. Now the question is, okay, he gets 12. If he gets to 11, do the Ravens say, all right, that's close enough for us to move up and jump the Vikings and, and maybe get him? Right. I, and I also, think an I think the other but question. I, but part of that depends on how much you like Trent McDuffie. Exactly. You know, and, and I we've kind of talked about it on the pod, and we'd be like, yeah, he's a smaller guy. And honestly, like, I, I, I'll give you props. I watched Final Drive yesterday, and I was like, let me let me look at McDuffie a little bit more, right? And uh, I think that he can hold up as a press corner. I think the physicality is there. You know, he's not a, as big a guy, but I like the competitiveness. I like the just the the kind of attitude he has when he plays the game. 
And I, I like the fact, you know, I mean, how much, what this counts for, I don't know, but you know, he's a Washington guy could come in under Marcus Peters, another former Husky and learn from him and the, the, the tape study and all that stuff. And like, he's got ball skills, he's got toughness. He can press even despite his a little bit smaller size. I mean, he's not that much smaller than Marlon Humphrey. Right. Right. Um, so uh, now I, I'm kind of like, you know what? Like at first I was like, I think you have to move up to get Stingley because I want one of those top two guys. And now I'm like, eh, you know, if you like McDuffie, maybe you can sit there at 14 and get him. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And that's actually, I, I've thought about that a lot over this week is McDuffie, like it, his tape seems to be cleaner in the last two years. Right. And right. so it's like, he seems to be, have been better recently. And the size thing, you know, the size thing, sure, like he he's not Sauce Gardner, but right. like he's also like people talk about him. Like he's five foot eight. I mean, he's he's five eleven, <laughs> right, like, right, right, just right. under two hundred pounds. Like he's not he's not a small guy. Um, he is slightly undersized in comparison to Jimmy. You know, he's not Jimmy Smith in that size. Right. But, but if he I, can cover, he can cover. But he can stick with guys, and he's got all these other intangibles. So I, I'm not ruling him out at, at all um, yeah. either. So, all right, we got a question here. As always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We got a, .net. We got a question here from Riley Runberg. Uh, Riley actually has a bunch of questions, um, but one thing that he did ask about uh, is Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, yeah. and, and whether, you know, he asked whether he thought he could get to us. I'll tell you what, J- Jeremiah did not seem to think that he's making it to 14. He, right, he he's just, saying he might go to two. Yeah, if I he's mean, saying he doesn't go two, then, then, I mean, he said he has a wide range. How wide that range is, I don't think extends to 14. But this is another guy where if it extends to nine or 10, where the Ravens might say, oh, man, Ed Rush is a huge need. He's a really talented player that we think, you know, we, we've done our homework on. We feel good about the person and the player, and we need somebody. Uh, you know, so maybe you move up. Now, the question I think with him is I, I've seen some questions about whether he's an outside linebacker, like a stand-up outside linebacker and has the the kind of plays with the, the toughness and the strength to be a run-stopping guy like that. Um, I, I don't know the, what the answer is to that, but I'll tell you, he'd be a force as a pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. The other question here from Riley is about David Ajabo, the pass rusher out of Michigan who tore his Achilles at his pro day and could the Ravens still end up drafting him if they trade back in the first round or if he were to fall to the second round I'll start here I, I thought it was interesting during the pre draft press conference Eric Acosta brought him up and made the point that you know that injury certainly was really disappointing for him but it was also disappointing for the Ravens which made me think <laughs> you know had that injury not happened maybe he would have been the pick at 14 potentially um mm-hmm. you know I, I I don't think the Ravens will take him at 14 I think they've got more immediate needs and and you know, I, I would be very surprised if they were to draft him that early. If they trade, I, I, I would be surprised if they draft him in the first round at all because you, you just don't know if you're going to get anything out of him, even if they trade mm-hmm. this year. Maybe he comes back and plays this year. You know, some guy, mm-hmm. you know, Cam Akers came back last year for the for the Rams, and maybe he can have a, a really quick recovery like that. But you're still guessing, and so you're you're kind of betting on a potential redshirt year at a time where the window for a Super Bowl is open. And you have some immediate needs that need to be filled. So even if the Ravens were to trade right. back to whatever, 25, they trade back a couple of times. I, I still don't see it. I, I yeah, would, I agree. I think to me, he, he's somebody that I'm going to keep an eye on in, on day two if he's still there and say, all right, how far does Ajabo fall? 
Like, does, does he get close enough to the Ravens where maybe you start to say, ah, maybe we move up to get somebody like that? I mean, obviously played for Mike McDonald at Michigan last year. Uh, you know, he he looks up to Odafe Owe, you know, both guys uh, who have, uh, you know, their heritage is from, from Africa. Um, I think both Nigerian, I want to say. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's, and obviously the player, you know, I mean, he kind of like Owe, late starter. Uh, but a freak athlete who just exploded with production last year. So to me, okay, maybe it's worth a gamble and, and the whole red shirt gamble if he were to get to the Ravens in round two or even like a, a move up possibility in that round, depending on what you do in the first, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. It, there's a big difference between taking a guy in the second round at a, in a 14. You know, it just. Yeah, oh, totally. So, um, totally. So anything else, uh, kind of final thoughts from, from listening to Jeremiah? I mean, we kind of went through every single possibility for who the Ravens could take uh, in the first round. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's honing in on big Jordan Davis. So we'll see if he's on the money again this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think that it's interesting, you know, his take on Linderbaum is, you know, kind of not too dissimilar from ours. But, like, I do – I'm not ruling Linderbaum out as a trade back, you know, option, like the late 20s. Um, I, I do think there's some interesting trade back possibilities for the Ravens mm-hmm. this year. Um, as much as I, you know, I wrote about the possibility of trading up, we all know what the Ravens traditionally like to do, and that's get more picks. <clears throat> so, you know, Jordan Davis, I don't know that you could really trade back far and get him. Penning would be a, a, a guy. <clears throat> Can you move back a little bit and still take him? You know, guys at positions not necessarily of huge need. Like I, I would be shocked if there's a corner or a pass, an edge that's on the board at 14, and the Ravens pass him up. Like if <laughs> I, I, I would be that would be really surprise me. Unless maybe maybe they have McDuffie ranked as a 20 something player, and they feel like they can move back and get him. You know, um, but if it's at a position that's not necessarily the biggest need, maybe it's a Devin Lloyd you know, that they can move back and, and still take. So I, I think those are three players that I would keep my eye on. And if like all three of them are still sitting there, okay, maybe you, you move back and say, we're going to get one of them, you know? Right. Right. Well, look, uh, there's a lot happening over the course of the next two weeks. Uh, players are going to be back in the building on Monday for the beginning of the off season program, uh, which is going to be great. So there could be, you know, we're going to have some, kind of behind-the-scenes access of what's going on there. We're also going to get a chance to talk to some of the players uh, next week at press conferences. And uh, and then, obviously, the draft talk is off, you know, is, is going off in a big way. So a uh, lot's going on right now. Uh, as always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thanks again to Daniel Jeremiah. As we said earlier, you can watch him on the NFL Network. Also. You wanna, wait, you want to preview next week's guest? Who's our next guest? Oh, come on, man. you got to get on the bookings. Do I got to do all the bookings here? We got Joe Ortiz coming in next that's, week, man. That's right. That's right. Well, I took I took care of Jeremiah. That was my guy. And you got that's Ortiz true. on the books. You did a good job. I'm working on Kuiper. I'm working on Mel, baby. Yeah, see if you, you can pull bring your the hair on the pod. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have Joe Ortiz next week. We're hoping for Mel Kuiper, and then we're going to do our full uh, breakdown of from our seven round mock drafts. So a lot more draft coverage coming. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.